Diablo 4 has arrived. As the forces of hell gather, only you can stand in their way. Journey across the expansive open world of Sanctuary. Choose from five powerful classes, then progress them to fit your playstyle. Adventure with your friends in up to four-player co-op with cross-play and cross-progression on all platforms. Welcome to hell. Diablo 4, available now. Rated M for Mature. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Hey guys, so with the winter months coming up, I know that your skin can get very, very finicky and like become chapped. It can become really dry and just lots of problems, right? Including acne. So I want to take a brief second and really recommend CeraVe. I know that most of you know about CeraVe and are very well versed in the quality of your products, but I think it's a great place to start. Not only if you don't know much about skincare, but it's like you, if you want trust products right they're dermatologists backed like multiple dermatologists are backing these products so that's a really great place to start so at any time that your skin acts up you want to always go to a trusted brand a brand that you know has lots of reviews you know so i really recommend CeraVe. check them out and shop according to your winter needs thanks guys stay tuned for this episode Welcome back to Skincare Anarchy. This is Ekta, and I have an amazing, amazing editorial guest today. I'm a super huge fan of this publication, and I'm so excited that she said yes to coming on to the show. I know she must be so busy. So without further ado, I want to introduce you guys to Ama Corteng, who is the beauty editor at The Covetour. So welcome to the show, Ama. Thank you Hi. so much for your time. Hi. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's such an honor to host you. I absolutely love hosting editorial guests, and I love the Covetour. So I would love to get started with um, really your journey and, you know, how you got involved in editorial and journalism and um, what that's been like. Um, if you could get us, you know, to yeah. walk us down memory lane. <laughs> oh Should I start, like, at the beginning? Yeah, let's start at the very <laughs> beginning. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I've always been, like obviously like a huge reader and really into um, writing. But in college, I thought that I was going to be a fashion editor. So I went to um, Barnard College, loved it, great four years. And I did a bunch of internships. So it was great because Barnard kind of gives you the best of both worlds. So I had a college, like um, a traditional college experience in some ways where I was in a sorority, like there was like a campus. Um, But I also had the benefits of being in New York City. So I could intern during the fall and spring semesters, um, which was really, really, really beneficial to really beneficial to my career because it helped me figure out what I do like, what I don't like. And it really helped me make those connections. So in college, um, I interned, oh, my gosh, so many places, but Seventeen Magazine, Cosmo, um, Marie Claire, Um, HBO uh, for a period I thought I might be interested in documentary filmmaking but (laughs) I know it turned out to be way too slow paced for me but um, and then also art gallery but yeah I got a a bunch of different experiences there and then once I graduated or when I was getting ready to graduate I didn't have a job like um, 
the until I think a few weeks before graduation, it might be like the week before is when I got a job. But I had this like insane spreadsheet where I had the names of like people who worked in like fashion editorial, like different names of editors, their email address in like the next column. And then another column, which is like, did you reach out to them? Yes or no? Did they respond? Like, have you followed up? What It was like crazy. I but, love that. That's so I organized. Know. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, I was so intense, but Anyway, yeah, no, that's, but you know what, that, it takes that much. It takes that. So yeah. I, I, that's really cool. Yeah. I feel like you have to really care and like really kind of, I don't know, put a lot of effort into it because it is a hard industry to enter into. Um, and it's like, everyone wants these jobs. So it's like, you have to make yourself kind of stand out in some way. Um, yeah. But one of those um, informational interviews was with Willow Lindley, who is now the accessories director at Vogue, but she used to be the accessories editor. Um, so that led to a freelance position at Vogue. It was like a full-time freelance where I was um, an accessories assistant for a year. And I learned yeah. so much um, just being in the same room with people like Grace Coddington and Tony Goodman as they're like putting together shoots. Like, I feel like if you're a creative and artistic person, there's there's just like no comparison. Um, but I had always like wanted to write, but I had always been kind of, I've been scared. I don't know. I just was afraid to call myself a writer. I had like this insane, like fear, like paralyzing fear of like the blank page. Um, but I knew like, I, I wanted to try. So I remember like um, seeing a job posting for um, a beauty assistant at Hearst. And yeah. on my insane spreadsheet, I had done an informational interview with um, a former beauty editor there, Kate Foster. She's amazing. And I reached back out to her and was like, are you guys like hiring? I'm like looking to leave. Like I've been at Vogue for like uh, almost a year, um, but I really am interested in beauty. And I knew they were hiring. Like I knew the job listing was up, but like I like kind yeah. of played coy. Um, and she was like, yeah, like I'll pass on your, um, resume to the beauty director, um, who is Leah Wire, Angel, love her. Um, and she passed on my resume and it's so funny. Like they're literally about to hire someone else. And Leah saw my resume and was like, okay, let's give this girl an edit test. Yeah. So I what is an edit test? What is yeah, that? So, an edit <laughs> test is like when you're like applying for, um, like an editorial job, they'll usually give you a test where it's like you, um, to show your like writing strengths and skills and to kind of get a sense of your voice and if you would be a good fit for the publication. So a lot of the questions are like related to like ideas you would pitch. Like they might be like, here's a story, like write an intro. What products would you include in this story? Um, so I did that. And then um, the next day I got an interview. So then I met with um, Leah, who was the... Um, the beauty director for all of the magazines at the time because Hearst was hubbed um, and the separate individual editors for the other brands. Um, and then I got the job the next day. So then that's kind of how it all got started. Wow. wow. I love that though. I love that they were like so open to just like giving you the shot. And I, lo I love when uh, people do that, when they see like a real candidate come yeah. across their desk and they're just like, you know what, wait a minute, hold on, you know, let me reset because see, 
like one of the best like one of the uh best topics that was brought up i was talking to karen chambers was about this idea of like when you see someone who's like better and the perfect fit like you gotta go after that so i really love that that they did that yeah no it's also like again so great because like because i went to barnard and i was able to have all of these experiences like that's what made me stand out um when they were basically almost done with the recruiting process for this position oh yeah yeah no I mean like I yeah I mean at the same time it's like it it shows that they care about who they're bringing on you know what I mean like it shows that's the biggest thing is like for me it's like for publications I mean I'm not gonna lie to you I have a real pet peeve with people who just check off boxes you know what I mean like it's like I, I really admire the companies and the publications that are like, no, we want somebody who's not just going to check off the boxes, but they really are a dynamic individual and they're going to fit into the culture of our publication right. and they're going to, you know, so that's something that's huge. And so I'm really glad that that went um, in that direction. But what about, um, so how did you end up with the Covetour? Let's yeah, keep going. So, <laughs> so I was, um, so I was at Cosmo for, oh, it's so, so interesting. So when I joined Cosmo, like I said, Hearst was hugged. So I was working on in the luxury beauty group. So I was working on Marie Claire, Elle, Town and Country, and Harper's Bazaar. And then six months after I joined, we got a new president at Hearst. And he was like, we're not doing this hub thing anymore. Everyone's going to be on one magazine. So Leah mm-hmm. um, became the beauty director at Cosmo. And she took me um, with her as the assistant. And um, also um, Lauren Balsamo was the senior beauty assistant there at the time. So we went to Cosmo and we kind of, and it's so funny. So I had only worked on print at the time. And when we were being de-hubbed or unhubbed, whatever the term is, um, (laughs) Cosmo was also combining both print and digital. So then we had our, two other members of the digital team um, combined with the three of us in the print team. So it was like a lot of change. And also Cosmo had gotten a new editor-in-chief, Jessica Pels. And so it was like a, it was honestly like looking back such a good moment for me because it was like, there was no rules, right? And there was no predecessor, like there's no predecessor set. So it was kind of really easy for me to carve my way. But anyways, um, so after all that craziness happened, um, Carly Cardellino, who is the um, BDA director of digital at the time at Cosmo, had a baby. So she went on mat leave and then Leah um, got a new job. So she left. So it was three of us on the beauty team and it was very hectic. So I, like I, I can said, imagine, I, I mean, that's a lot of work for just mm-hmm. three people. Yeah. yeah. And especially like with me who had never writ- really written before, like I'd only done, like, so I majored in anthropology in college. So I only done like academic papers. Like I'd never written something for like a general like audience. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, that was, so I was able to do things that typically like an assistant wouldn't do so I was writing like um a lot for print I was writing features uh, like in the well section of the magazine which is like where the um the longer stories are for each section and I was writing a lot for digital um and then it was probably 
like March, 2020. So when the pandemic happened, I, I don't know. I was just like kind of feeling like stagnant and like, I don't know, like very Like mad. you wanted to change. Like you just wanted, yeah. wanted to change. Well, yeah. yeah. So, and obviously like no one was hiring at the time. So I was like, okay, Ama, if you're going to do this writing thing, it's time to take it. Like you need to take it seriously. So I just started like pitching more ideas that I want to write. And we had, we had a new beauty director at the time, Julie Wilson, and she's absolutely amazing. And she was so like willing to hear new ideas and big ideas and just, yeah, she's just great. So I was able to like, I don't know. I just like decided I was going to pitch bigger beauty stories. And I was also like, I'm also really interested in politics. So I was like contributing to the op-ed and the futures team. And I like would do informational interviews with members on the team. So I remember like talking to the futures director um, who at the time was Andrea Stanley. She's wonderful. And she was just giving me so much great advice and was like, if you ever like want to help on futures, like I'm here. And I was like, yes, like I was just like very hungry to do everything and anything. And I think that was like really the spark I don't know. That was just like really what I needed um, at the time to just like, I don't know, just really get into the work. Um, and then I decided yeah. I started taking writing workshop classes um, online and they had never like because of the pandemic, they were now available online. So I took a class um, in early 2001 with Lisa Kennedy at this um, writer's workshop in Denver and it was like, um, uh, it was, what was it called? It was like crafting like the long form essay or something similar. But I grew so much from those eight weeks alone. Um, and I kept taking writing classes. Like I took a poetry class through Lighthouse. And then um, they also do this thing called Lit Fest where you can apply to week long intensives. So I got into this class with one of my favorite writers, um, Hanif Abdurraqib who's an essayist and a poet and a critic. And that was amazing. And I met um, one of my really good friends, Katie, through that class. And now we exchange work that um, outside of our day jobs with each other. And I, just, and I just finished up a class that was focused on setting in at Catapult, which is based in New York. So wow. last year, writing just became, like, I always joke with my friends, like, writing is the only thing that I care about but that is like that is like I don't know it's like the crux of the career right so it's yeah good publication good good editorial and good writing is definitely yeah you're right and I love I mean I just wanted to like let you talk because I really admire your work ethic I mean you've really like you know you took this on and you were like no I'm gonna I'm going to do this right. And you went and you got the education you wanted and, and you got the extra information that you needed. And I really admire that. That's something that you don't, yeah. I mean, you don't see that a lot, you know, I mean, today I was, I actually like, I mentor some people like that are, you know, coming into the world of like their careers or, you know, whatever. And I, I always tell them like, you guys, you guys have to work very hard. You know, Mm -hmm. like I can't tell you how many internships people who are successful, like how many internships they have to go through 
to get to that point. And it's like, you know, especially with the generations now, it's this, this, I almost feel like it's not laziness, but like they want like instant results. And I mean, I blame yeah, like yeah. social media for that, but like, you know, <laughs> like um, you know, it's just, I, I think that that's such a wonderful message to send out to everyone listening that might be a younger um, audience that, you know, like, l- like look at how hard Amo worked. Like, oh my, you know, it was, like, <laughs> it was, yeah. The, it, I mean, it's like, again, and you have to really enjoy the work you're doing or like, I'm also like, like spiritual. So I believe that I'm supposed to be a writer and that's like my calling. So it's like, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. It's like just yeah. been, it's been a process, but it's been also so fulfilling. Um, and being also like writing, I've, I also write fiction. So that's also been another creative outlet for me. But I feel like anytime, like, someone who wants to come into editorial ask me for advice it's always read as much as possible and write as much as possible because I feel like that's the thing that makes you stand out and especially with beauty I think that well one a lot of beauty writing um, can be repetitive when you're like talking about the same products so to be able to say something in a new way I mean that's all writing right like everything has basically been talked about before but you bringing your own voice and your perspective to it is what makes it unique and what makes it special. Um, and yeah. Yeah. I also think that at Cosmo, I start, I like, like I said, I started writing op-eds. Like the first one I wrote was um, about the politics of um, then Senator Kamala Harris's hair. But I think that looking at beauty through different perspectives or different lenses like culture politics all of these things and how your appearance can I don't know can show or can say so much about how you want to be seen or how you want others to see you um, is something that is kind of like underdeveloped in beauty editorial in general Um, oh I totally agree yeah yeah, it's so fascinating so I was really excited that like I was able to do that at Cosmo and I'm able to do that at Covator. Um, and I don't know, it's just so interesting. But like after like almost three years at um, Cosmo, I, I became the um, associate beauty editor. And then my now boss, Jess Teves, who's also an angel and amazing, she slid in my DMs and asked me if I'd be interested in this beauty editor position. So it's kind of... That's yeah, that's kind of the story. I love that. I really love that. And I love that it's not like one of those, like, well, I was just, you know, interning at one place and then I got hired to be like the top editor. Oh, it's like, you know what it I mean? Was, <laughs> I was I, intentional. Like I was yeah. Yeah. I, was I mean, I think that I, I think that that leads like really is a segue for me because like I I was we were talking, everyone was saying um before the episode, and I was uh talking to Ama about um, the inclusivity and diversity uh, interview I did with Karen Chambers of Iman Cosmetics and, and she's also a CEW board member and like we really went in like we were like super in depth you know what I mean like mm-hmm. just next level kind of conversation and like one of the things that came up was 
I had previously interviewed Kayla Greaves and Kayla is like, Oh my gosh, I am Kayla's biggest fan. I love her work. And I really just, you know, I brought her up because when I was talking to Kayla, Kayla was made a very solid point. And she was like, you know, unfortunately the way it is right now, a lot of the work that has to do with inclusion or diversity, or if there's a brand that came out and it's like a black owned business, or it's a, you know, just a more diverse range of products, all of that falls on the shoulders of the few beauty editors and directors that are of color, you know, in this wow. industry. And it's, and it's a, lo- a lot of work. And I would love and to get a, your opinion. Also, it's a lot of pressure too, because these brands want to be taken I don't know. I feel like a lot of brand founders that I've spoken to, like, they don't just want to be seen as a black owned brand, like, because people who aren't black can use their products, you know, um, mm-hmm. it's like, they, they just want to be a part of the whole conversation. So it's like the idea of like, kind of siloing them in a way, isn't something that I, I don't know. I, I never feel super comfortable with it because I, I, I don't think that's getting at the root of the issue, right? So the root yeah. of the issue is like a lot of black owned like businesses can't get loans because there's like racism on that financial level. They can't get certain promotions because of like, there's, it's like a lot of the stuff underground that is the actual issue. And I don't know, I feel like I have, it's like, it's definitely so complicated because obviously you want to show these brands love and we all do. Um, but it's like, like Kayla was saying, like, it's not, Oh, like you put together a roundup of black owned brands and then like, you're done. Like that's the, it, that's not the issue, you know? And I think yeah. that's like a lot of the, the confusion. It's like this idea that like um, capitalism is going to save or solve racism and that's not that's not how uh yeah that's not gonna happen because (laughs) no you you really no you really hit the nail on the head with what you said and this is something that I have actually um I've posted about this on my own personal Instagram and I um really never really got a response from anybody but like you know it was something it's been on my mind is the idea that like you know brands that are owned by um people with very culturally diverse backgrounds like even like you know for me I'm Indian right so like I grew up in an Indian household and I'll see a lot of brands come up that are like uh, founded by by Indian women and like you know one of my biggest pet peeves is like you're putting like elephants and Indian like you know calligraphy all over your packaging and it's like don't do that because your goal is to be a founder right you want to connect with a multi-diverse audience and I just I hate that and I feel like especially with black-owned businesses um you're put what when you do what you know what you and I were just talking about you're putting them back into a box that they've been trying to get out of for all this time you know yeah it's 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 unfortunate because I feel like and it's also the way it's framed too it's like oh they're doing them a favor it's like no one's asking for a favor people are asking for you to give them the same amount of time and energy that you give to other brands um and I don't know it's yeah again it's like it kind of feels sometimes that it can be further othering right when you're putting them into these groups and and it's like what are you saying you know 
I don't know. It's like, yeah, it's like very complicated. And I remember feeling like, I remember feeling weird like last summer when all these like lists of like editors and like makeup artists and whatever were coming out because I'm like, what, what is, what's the goal? You know what I mean? And it's like, for example, an editorial, a lot of the issues related to why there aren't, it's not a super diverse industry is one, most internships are unpaid and a lot of the industries in New York an expensive ass city so again you're immediately excluding a huge group of the population when you're the only way to get these jobs is through experience but if you're not at a financial level you can't get that experience so like it would make sense for me to at least to me like for people to like push companies to like um pay their interns a livable wage or at least like support. I know there's, I can't think of the name right now, but there are inst- like um, groups that um, fund internships for people in the city um, and like putting money towards that. Like, I feel like it's- Or even like, like housing, right? Like, I mean, yeah. a lot of the expenses that come with like being on your own and like, you know, you have these young professionals and they're moving to New York City, find, right. get a building, you know what I mean? Yeah, get you a have building. to put down. Yeah, you have to put down like two months rent and like the first month, last month, and yeah, no. And then also, it's like a lot of times when you put people in these positions, and then what? Like it's kind of sometimes it feels like they're further tokenized. Like you don't really care about what their actual opinions are. You don't really want them to like kind of shake the table to use that phrase, you're just there so they can make you feel better about yourself and your company, which then it's like, you're not really seeing them as whole people. You're seeing them as signifiers for your own political beliefs. And that's, that's terrible. That's shitty. Yeah. That's, that's counterproductive. It's counterproductive. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely. And, you know, I, I really, really believe in the idea that, you know, if we really want to walk down this, this road of, you know, let's be inclusive, let's be diverse, let's be this, that, then what you need to, like, brands and publications and everyone that's in charge needs to understand is that, like I said, stop checking off this checklist. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you have, to, it's, you have to be authentic and you have to dive deeper into a human being. We are all different. Like, yeah, okay, the color of my skin puts me in this category, but why don't you look at me as a human being and try to figure out, am I genuine? And is, is there something about me that could really bring value to your company? Because right. that's really where the, the true inclusion is. That's where it is. Uh-huh. And it's like, you know, I, I have this, um, there's a part of me, I'm very passionate about featuring brands that are, um, you know, like they are diverse brands. And like recently, I really want you to look at this brand, by the way, Emma, like if you get a chance, it's called Lamique Beauty. And mm-hmm. like, I really, I interviewed um, the founder recently and we talked about this as well. And she said exactly what you were saying was that I don't want to be known as a black brand. I want to be known as a brand that is made for people who, you know, they, they might be allergic to cosmetics. They might be allergic to like the lip gloss they're using or something. And it's like, you know, we are a safer option and all this stuff. And it's like, you know, I completely understand. I get it, you know? And it's like, but, but, but but it's like, you know, when 
these these kind of small indie brands get featured it's always lumped up like you said it's right. like this roundup of black owned businesses and I'm right. like why are you just doing them, that yeah I feel like they should just be included with everyone else like you know yeah. and I I like I understand that I don't know I just wish we could kind of get to a point where we weren't using we I don't know identity is so tricky and it's so interesting but I definitely agree with what you're saying this idea that you're kind of like lumped into this huge group of people who are so diverse within itself um and it's like what is again what does that say you know what I mean like yeah again it's creating a monolith where there doesn't need to be one well segmentation you know, yeah. at its finest. Yeah, you're again, for, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're just segmenting um, a population that's already been going through that for generations and generations and generations, and you're just doing it all over again. Right. And you're doing it in new and creative ways, which is without actually sickening. solving the problem at the yeah. actual root of the issue. Because they don't want to talk about the problem. No one right. wants to talk about the real problem. That's the issue. I know. Like it's like I, you know, I, I I hate that. I really no, hate that. I agree, and I think that it's like. I think it's part of it is also like the real issues are hard and they're like difficult and people really want to be like, oh, I want to make a difference. And they want to find, I guess, like the easiest way to do that. But sometimes that's not even really making a difference. So it's like, yeah. I, I don't know. I like remember like I like talking to like an old roommate about like recycling. And I was like, one, a lot of cities don't recycle anymore because of the price. And like a lot of the times when you think you're recycling, it's not being recycled. It's like ending up in a landfill anyway. And she was trying to make the argument that like, well, like it makes people feel good or whatever. But I'm like, well, like it's time to grow up. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. just be, it's not making a difference. Like instead of like, I don't know, spending money like or spending like a ton of time like recycling products that aren't going to be recycled, maybe that time might be better spent working um, with a grassroots grassroots organization who's like pushing for legislation that would actually like, I don't know, fix the recycling system in your city or donating money to a politician who is, this is at the top of their agenda and they're making strides into accomplishing this. Like, I feel like there's so many different ways we can put our time in our energy towards making change um, but yeah. for some reason a lot of people I don't know their first instinct is to either buy something um, which it, it's not to like minimize that impact because obviously in the capitalist society that does make a difference but I, I feel like the other parts of the equation aren't as talked about as much. I completely agree. And I think that, you know, just to add to your points, like I think definitely voting with your dollars is huge, but it's also very much important to find solutions to a problem. Mm -hmm. And I promise you, if you look and if you really consider what the real problem is that you're, and I'm, you know, I'm also a very spiritual person. I, I really believe that if you ask for what you want and you have an intention towards it, it will be given to you. And so, you feel that. you know, 
Yeah, yeah I know. I, I, I believe in that. I really I, believe. And it's like, if you put that out to the universe and you say, I want a solution for this problem and you're genuine and your intent is genuine, you're going to find a solution and you just have to, but you have to be genuine. And I think the, the real question that I have, and I really, really do, um, you know, I would, for lack of a better term, I challenge the people out there that are promoting this promoting themselves as being inclusion and diversity leaders i challenge them to the question of well if you truly are a leader in this field then where is the real change because mm-hmm. from where i'm standing i'm not seeing it i have right. maybe three uh three women of color that are editorial guests of mine that have been kind enough to come onto my show and i I'm still trying to figure out where is that inclusion and diversity? You know what I mean? Like, why doesn't Ama have like 15 other women she works with that are from different backgrounds, not just black, but like in, you know what I mean? Like, right, why, right. where is it? Where is it? Right. Like, so, and like, yeah, that's, no. yeah. it's, a, I, it's like, it's again, the pipeline is like, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's not, it's not great again, because of like the, there's so many barriers to entry. And it's like, if you just graduated from college and you have all these student loans, are you really going to work in media? You know what I mean? If you don't have that support from your family, like, no. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. I love that. And, you know, I want to actually, I want to move forward a little bit because I know that, um, right now publications are really going through a transition you know with this whole you know I I remember when I first interviewed uh Krista Demeo she was um her and I were raving about how you know I grew up in the 90s and you know total millennial sorry can't talk um and I was a huge magazine girl you know I loved getting the physical magazines yeah like so like you know snipping out of a magazine and like making like your collage of things you love and those kind of things and I know that we're moving towards this more digital world and I'm not gonna lie like I'm not like a huge fan of it like I don't I feel like it just doesn't feel the same so like I mean, it is I, different like I'm I grew up a print girl like I even like like with my books like I don't understand how people read books on Kindles like I oh my god wild. <laughs> I think that is wild um and yeah I just need I love having the physical copy of magazines and flipping through it's an experience too and I feel like we spend so much time on our phones so being able to I don't know kind of remove yourself from that I'm so like big on social media breaks and all that stuff um just because it's like I feel like it's how you get your inspiration I don't know and I also feel like with print it's so curated um which is fantastic and it's like every word counts and everything counts um I do love the fact that with digital you can immediately put something up right you can turn around something quickly you can like if there's something breaking or something you want to cover or a moment you won't come to it late if that makes sense yeah um, which yeah. is what I really appreciated and I feel like um the great thing about Covetor, it's like not really a news driven site it's um very evergreen so for example we uh, did a digital cover our digital um issue um during the summer that was called the future of fashion and I wrote 
two beauty, uh, oh, wrote one beauty story and edited another. So the one I wrote was like, does beauty need a czar? So basically like someone to oversee the beauty industry. But that's something like that, like for a print magazine, it could live in print, but it also works on digital for our site because it is evergreen. And I love the fact that we're able to, able to like tap in on these like very like um, topical um, subjects like climate change and sustainability and yeah. able, we're able to do it in a way that's very thoughtful and in-depth, um, which unfortunately because of like the obsession with clicks and like SEO and digital, a, lo- a lot of brands don't have like the, really the bandwidth to do that. Um, so I think that's like right. the storytelling, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I love, I actually love the cover tour. I think it's a phenomenal publication. And I think that it's so, it's so inspired, you know, like all the articles and all of the um, information that's put, that's put up. It's like, I really enjoy like reading the articles. I really enjoy looking through the material that, that you guys um, choose to focus on. And I think it's a phenomenal standout publication, you know, yeah, so. I love um, it. That, yeah, yeah, that's what drew me to it in the first place. Like, and we just launched our, I have to do this plug, our class of 2021 issue yesterday. Um, and it was, I'm like so proud of the whole team for putting together, like, it, I think it was like 16 something features and the majority of them were profiles. So um, I was able to write the cover story um, and, and interview Issa Rae. And I also profiled um an author, Elogoza Sunday, who's Nigerian and she's incredible. Um, her debut novel comes out in March. And then also I spoke with um, makeup artist and Dior Beauty's newest ambassador, um, Sam Visser. He's yeah. incredible. So it's like, there's, and we have, there's just so many amazing stories. And again, that's again, what drew me to the brand in the first place. Like I said, the storytelling, it's incredible. Yeah, it is. And it's like, you know, I love that you um, are doing these profiles because I love reading stuff like that. I love reading about, yeah, like, you know, because that's honestly for me, like with with Skincare Anarchy, that's really why I created it to be such a like, like, for example, for brands, like such a founder based approach when I do my interviews, because I'm like, I want to, I want people to know about these people, you know, like, Mm -hmm. you want to know about the people behind the brands, you want to know, like, as a consumer, like, who is really the, who's driving this inspiration and vision of this brand, because that, that's what we resonate with, you know, what that's what what Covator, like, that's how it began, because it was the closets of, like, these editors, and, like, Cool. especially me growing up in Ohio and seeing that I was no like, wait oh, you're from Ohio I am too <gasps> wait let's stop we're in oh, Ohio oh my gosh so have I we actually, not discussed I <laughs> I um I grew up actually I went to high school in Cincinnati like in the suburbs of Cincinnati oh and I grew I've up actually, outside of Columbus that's crazy I actually I did a uh, IT job in Columbus I've, I've lived in every city in Ohio really before I went international with my endeavors Much. <laughs> like I yeah. I love it I'm here now and it's so nice to be home I feel like I have a greater appreciation for it as I get older yes me too and the seasons I love the seasons so yes, uh, <laughs> the seasons fall the Midwest falls they're unmatched yeah 
exactly and i don't know why people don't understand that everyone's always talking about like oh yeah you know like you gotta go to like maine or like you gotta go to no you know go to ohio Literally. I love it. Super okay, okay, tangent, but yes, like uh-huh. getting back to it. Yeah. So the cover tour you were telling me it was founded on um people's closets and yeah, and, and, and their yeah. story around like I feel like a lot of it was the time where like also into the gloss was um really big and like you never got a sense of the behind the scenes, right? How did so and so get into this position in the first place? And like also like beauty and fashion like your pieces that you have in your collection tell so much about a person um and I think that is the core of the brand so especially with um 2020 when we really couldn't do closets the way that we could do them before um it was really I feel like this was a year of kind of reimagining okay what are different ways we can tell stories um and yeah. kind of share the behind the scenes, like what's the word? Behind the scenes glimpse of these people's lives. And I feel like class of 2021 completely like n- nailed it. Like I'm so, I'm so happy to be part of this team. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that this is definitely, you know, you know, being being in the midst of COVID and how everyone was feeling and how, you know, people were just not feeling like, you know, the best of themselves, best versions of themselves. I mean, it was a huge time, I think, for editorial to really step up the game. And it was, you know, it was a time when we all really needed these articles and these features because it, we all wanted to feel like ourselves again, right? It's like getting ready to go outside or getting ready to like, you know go to work like that's all of it like it's not just about that it's about like how we perceive ourselves when we're getting ready and when we look our best and so like when we can really kind of relate to articles or new features that are like talking about things that are um you know more relevant they make us feel more comfortable I think that's a huge part of how people got through COVID you know honestly I mean social media is social media like, you know, I always say this, like, I always, I really do believe that, like, you know, social media has its uh, place, but, like, you can't compare it to editorial. Editorial is wow. a whole different world, okay? And so and when there's, you're like, seeing... so much more depth, you know? Yeah. And yeah. obviously no shade, like, on social media creators, uh, but I, I'm, I've always been an editorial girl, and I feel like that's, like, where I feel most at home. Because it's just yeah. like a space to tell stories, you know? Exactly. And also, like, when I get my, like, for me, when I get recommendations and when I see something uh, or a brand that stands out, I'm sorry, but it's always editorial. It's never right. from an influencer. It's never from, like, I mean, okay, yeah, I might, like, call, it might, like, follow up with, like, some influencers I trust and, like, see if they've reviewed the brand or something you know what I mean but like it's never like oh I I got this from an influencer and I know that like for example like you know bringing it to skincare like I know a lot of people were buying things during COVID that were like promoted by these um micro influencers on Instagram and TikTok and all these Mm -hmm. social media platforms and it really led people to a place that their skin is just not in its best place right now and I you know and it's like yeah I thought people People forget that like skincare is so individual um yeah. yeah no it's so it's so fascinating but, but at of- the same at the same time though it's like it like it really goes to the point that I was just saying was that if you got your information 
from a curated area or source, like an editorial piece, you probably wouldn't be going through that because a lot of the things that are covered in magazines and a lot of the, you know, and, and, you know, find an, find an editor, find a writer that you resonate with, you know, that's Mm -hmm. my real point here is like, if you are someone who really resonates with someone's writing or like how they talk, you know, um, like, or, or how they portray, like, you know, um, their point of view, then connect with them and see and follow them as a writer and see what they come right. out with. And like, you know what I mean? So like that right. needs to be promoted. I feel it's like also, it's also interesting. Cause one of my favorite, um, content creators is, um, Chrissy Rutherford. And she used to be an editor at Harper's Bazaar for years. And I, now she, um, she's like an influencer. She has like a newsletter, but her, her platform to me feels very thoughtful, very informative, very like also like casual in the sense like it feels like you're following a friend who has amazing fashion taste. Um, And I think that's what I value in the influences that I do follow. A lot of them, one, do have that editorial background, but it's like that level of thoughtfulness um, just really comes through. And I think again, like Chrissy just is a very authentic person. So it's never, I never feel like she's just trying to sell her followers something. Um, It's like, if she's like promoting or like, if she's um, vouching for like a pair of jeans, a sweater, a skincare product, a hair product, I trust her opinion. And like, it's like, I don't know. It's like, again, building that trust. And it's like, how do you do that in the best way? And I feel like she's definitely a blueprint in terms of um, content creators and influencers on how you can, I don't know, create that sense of authority without just feeling or without people feeling like you're selling out or you're just like (laughs) selling yourself out to the highest bidder. Yeah, I completely agree. And for me, it's Elise Tabin. I, I love mm. Elise. Elise is amazing. She's like, she was like one of the founding members of New Beauty. And like, she ended oh, up, um, yeah, like she's amazing. Oh my God, she's really amazing. And like, she ended up with her own thing. She's got her own website. And she basically, like, you know, she'll review brands that she really thinks works. And she'll even show you, like, on in her Instagram feed, like, she'll you know use the brand and use the product and she'll show you like this is why I like it and I and I appreciate those kinds of you know former editors or former people that were just attached to a publication because you know they've got like you said they've got the vision they've got that in their DNA at this point where they're going to curate things from a very wide lens they're not going to do it with this like you know ulterior motive in mind they're really going to look at the things that matter and that's something that you know like if you're looking for an influencer and if you're looking for you know a go-to social media person I really urge you find these editors that you you know have turned into more of like an influencer Mm -hmm. type of uh individual so I agree with you I totally agree definitely I also want to shout out um Carly Cardellino um she also like I is an editor turned like content creator freelancer and influencer again like trust every single product that she recommends um and same with Christina Rodolfo so she um was that woman's health I think she left last yeah she was on my show I yes she's great I love her and again that's another person whose opinion I'm like definitely trust 
Yeah, no, she's really cool, and I love Christina's, like, approach to things, because she makes it really, really, like, fun, and, like, all of her videos are, like, super, like, cute. Like, I love how she, like, posts her content. Right. so like yeah I yeah and like, again she's like being authentic to who she is like I feel like all of the people we've mentioned like they're not trying to be someone that they're not yeah. um and that's like what makes them stand out I completely agree I completely agree and you know um just to round up the episode Ama, I want you to give us um I know you've given so many um just jewels here of like just knowledge and like an inside look and um, for young professionals, but I really want you to give some advice to the young women and men out there that are looking to get into editorial and that really want to make it work. You know, anything that oh you gosh. can offer. <laughs> I know, <laughs> um, I, I, know I, I already said this, but like read it, read as much as possible, as widely as possible, and write as much as possible, but also keep going because this industry is tough and if this is really something that you want to do there's gonna I feel like you have to have a larger vision or a larger goal in mind because there is a lot of bullshit that you have to deal with along the way um and I feel like having a larger goal um and and focusing on the macro instead of the micro again day-to-day nonsense um will really I don't know keep you pushing along also be nice to everyone because yes. you, know, like, <laughs> you, you never know who's going to show up again in your the path the industry is really small and also people like working with nice people <laughs> so it's like they'll recommend you for things they'll um, put your name out there and again I, I really believe that if you're putting like positive energy out there that's what you'll get in return absolutely yeah pay it forward guys pay it forward you know like I completely agree and I love that thank you so much for that because yeah there's a lot of people you know I know that we get messages from listeners that are younger and they're like oh I love your advice and I love you know the advice that you guys um end up getting from like the real professionals in the industry so I really appreciate you um you know sharing that oh my gosh of course I really appreciate you having me here oh my gosh it's so much fun. I feel like I talk to you forever Oh my gosh, me too. And I want you back any time your schedule allows, okay. seriously. Like, I would love to continue this and I would love to do part two, three, four, five, six. You know? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Sequel um, coming soon. Yes. Uh, so, and everyone listening, please um, leave your comments, suggestions, um, anything in the comment section for the podcast art for this. Um, and I will definitely pass along any questions you have to Ama if she has the time and, you know, just le- keep the conversation going. You know, I think we touched on a lot of really cool points, really important points. And I just, you know, that's one of my biggest things. I want you guys to keep these conversations going because this is how th- change happens, right? It's like right. you you get the idea from like a conversation you've heard somewhere else and then you talk to your friends about it and that's how it keeps going so I really urge you to um you know don't be silent about things if you feel strongly keep going so thank you Amon. this has been so lovely um, thank you